You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European model actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 105. I'm your host, Andreas Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelan Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, Sanesan! How are you? Happy New Year! Ah, well, very, very, very... Wary? Wary. No, very. <laughs> Good. Are you wary? <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, I am indeed. <laughs> yes, Happy New Year's and uh, Happy Holidays. Yeah, I hope um, you're all uh, our listeners are having a nice holiday, relaxing, meeting growing friends, fat. growing fat, <laughs> growing fat. whatever, and, uh, you know... <laughs> relatives and um, hopefully you can you know not the nasty ones the nasty relatives i hope you can make them you know keep them at a distance there's always your nasty uncle george who wants to do something keep him <laughs> out keep him out but the other ones take care of them we we learn more about pontus's family yeah <laughs> yeah who's uncle george and you you wouldn't like him <laughs> no okay no. <laughs> I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't got many uncles and aunts and and definitely no grandparents whatsoever. Mm. So, yeah, me uh, too. That, I joined the, the no, gr- no grandparents club as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's depressing, but yeah, with your, your <laughs> no, both, no, doesn't have to, you're both doesn't in exile anyway, right? Uh, That's one way to put it. That's one way to put it. You're um, in London, Jelena, and Andras is in Italy. Where in Italy are you? Um, it's called Empoli. It's very close to Firenze, uh-huh. which is Florence. Yep. Yeah. So tomorrow I'm heading down south to Naples. Okay. Ooh, nice. Yeah. That's where I'm spending New Year's Eve. I mean, mm-hmm. not exactly Naples, but up in the mountains, about uh, to the, a bit to the south from the, the Bay of Naples. Okay. Well, that should be nice. Near Sorrento or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, it's, it's very close to Sorrento. Yeah. Ah, it's nice. called Piemonte, and it's a Piemonte. beautiful place. Mm. Have you been Pontus? Yes, I have been to Sorrento, you, and I've been you, to you yeah, talk. yeah, Capri, and to uh, Naples. Well, actually, just switched from from the train to the boat in in Naples, but <laughs> <laughs> so I can't say I Thank have you. been really. But Capri is fantastic. It's a very special place. You know, this is the time time of the year that I really love Capri. And the reason for that is because it's not as crowded as during the summer. It is very crowded in the summer. It is. But this time, we're going to be walking on the streets of Capri without anyone around. Ooh. Nice. On on the 1st of January. The only, yeah, the, the only flip side of it is that, is that it makes you wake up quite early in the morning. So we have to, we have to be up at 8 in the morning. After, new, after oh, new, new Year's <laughs> Eve. Yeah, so <laughs> New Year's Day starts okay. there. So you're very starting early. the New Year's with, uh, you know, full wow. of energy. Well, they say, that, you know, st- start the year the way you intend, intend to go on. And so obviously, um, Andrush. Yeah. That works it, for me, yeah. yeah good. <laughs> intending to be up early and do a lot and, uh, you know. Well, yeah, right. sleep deprivation is my thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're. Well, no, but you have to be sort of healthy about it and go to bed early. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah of course of as course. if that ever worked for you yeah don't tell anyone but if i can survive until then and uh my voice comes back mm. i'm gonna sing a couple of songs Ooh. that's what i usually do um on new year's eve at the hotel and uh, do you just do it cool. like randomly in the hotel lobby and um 
basically, no, basically no, the poor guests. No, it's between the pubs. You know, he's going there with a bottle in one hand and then he's singing. Oh, yeah. full, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's like a street karaoke. Last Christmas, yeah. <laughs> I gave you no, my no, heart. No, not that one. No. Oh, okay. No. All right. No. <laughs> well, I don't uh, <laughs> but I, I do, I do really enjoy it. And uh, ever since I stopped uh, taking singing and music seriously, that is basically the only occasion that I, I get to sing. That's quite nice. Okay. Well, have fun. Yeah, I'll try. Okay, so what what have we been up to this year? It's been well, a, quite a long year, but full of stuff that happened. It's been a very busy year. It's been a uh, yeah, absolutely. A, a lot of things happened, good and not so good, but I, I think we should probably concentrate on the good ones. Which was? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Remind me of well, the good ones Well, um, I want to kick off by saying... Um, uh, by mentioning our, our friends in Good Thinking Society who um, made uh, great advances in banning homeopathy funding in NHS in England. Yeah. Um, and um, Well, they, they weren't technically the ones banning it. No, no, but I'm uh, sure they... I mean, they, it, they led quite big campaigns. In my mind, there's no question that, that they had a lot to do with it. It's not quite over yet, but they're making good yeah, progress. Yeah, I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm not questioning the, the part they played in it. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's obviously a massive, huge part. It's yeah. very important. And uh, we have dedicated... Well, we didn't dedicate the whole episode, but we have mentioned them on, on several of our episodes. And yeah. we had uh, Michael Marsh on our podcast to talk about mm-hmm. various things that Good Thinking Society is involved in doing. I think he was he was on three times. Yeah. Yeah. Pontus, I was gonna. I was thinking you're gonna say something about vaccination because it was your thing. But anyway. yeah, I was trying to get a positive spin on vaccinations. Well, I, I know it's it's kind of hard because we we were aware of the anti-vaccination movement rising and uh, whatever, but it resulted in somewhat positive actions that have been taken by the Europe, by several European countries in terms of um, curbing the movement and um, trying to get, get back on track with the vaccination rates in, in, uh, in France and Italy um, and other European countries. Yeah, well, there's still and a lot of things to a lot of we will be talking about measles again on this uh, yeah, <laughs> on this episode. Sure. No, spoiler, but uh, <laughs> Ideally, we would not want to talk about these problems, but um, it happened and uh, the actions taken by certain European governments were, I think, pretty good and um, quite rapid. I mean, obviously, in, in the face of some of the problems and some of the De- child deaths that, that were caused by the anti-vaccination movement and um, drop in vaccination rates. It's good that the governments do act quickly. Let's hope that 2018 will bring more of good actions by European governments in that uh, area. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to I'd like to put my hands up because the Hungarian government just did something that is really cool. Oh. And uh, it's it's not very often that it happens. No, I was no say, I'm surprised you, at what they, they you did. Never, you so. literally never say that. <laughs> yeah, you, you've heard me uh, boasting about how cool um, the Hungarian vaccination system is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just getting another boost by uh, making uh, the chickenpox vaccination mandatory um, in, a, in a project that is called the National Immunization Program. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, those who work in the healthcare system, mm-hmm. they will be obliged to to take another the, the another 
like a reminder shot mm. of um, an, an immunostasis mm. uh, or status uh, kind of shot of uh, smallpox vaccine as well. Uh, and and they, this is something else that they don't often do, that they actually worked with numbers. <laughs> mm. So we knew that um, the yearly number of uh, of cases of mm. chickenpox are between uh, of changed from to, to 28,800 to 52,600 in the period between 1998 and 2016 out of which about 7.7 uh, to 1.7% was hospitalized and about 95% of the population go through this illness that is usually a very mild kind of illness. But the numbers play a very important role in the decision that they, they recently made because the, for those countries, according to the the, uh, the Ministry of Health, they say that in the countries where it, it has been made mandatory, the number of cases, the actual illnesses, dropped by 80 to 90%. And the the hospital the the number of hospitalized children uh, went down eighty percent and sixty percent less people actually turned up at the doctors mm-hmm. with chickenpox because chickenpox is still something that people visit the doctors with so that is a huge relief for the healthcare system so mm-hmm. this is pretty good I think. Yeah. Remind me, because we we talk about mandatory vaccinations, and I, you know, you know, we, I'm sort of not all in favor for manda- making it mandatory. But it yeah, all, yeah. it's also a vague term. What do you mean by it is mandatory? How do you define it in Hungary? Because you can make it in different. It's ways. not an option. There is a vaccination schedule that you have to adhere to. And if you don't, what happens? If you don't, you can be actually be legally prosecuted. Fine. So fined, yeah. Okay. So that's really and that's really in serious cases. Yeah? In serious cases, in theory, the your the, the, the custody of your children mm-hmm. could be jeopardized. Mm-hmm. So okay. in so, serious in serious cases, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That that that's really that's what I call mandatory. I mean it sometimes it, people say mandatory and what they say is well, you have to do it, otherwise you can't go to daycare. I don't. I don't. That's mandatory in a way, but it's not the same level of of mandatory. <laughs> but you still have a choice in that case to say no. I don't. I don't want to do it, so I'll keep my kids home from from daycare. Yeah, there there are options. To, so so you actually have the possibility to opt out, but only based on on uh, healthcare issues. So yeah. no allergies that that. Can prevent yeah, you but from... that's of course very reasonable. I hope yeah, that would be the case. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we, we were talking about the, you know, the the year how it was, and I just want to mm-hmm. say a big thank you to our listeners. It was a good oh, yeah. year for for the show. I would say we got an award. We got to travel. I mean, oh, we pay for ourselves most of the time, but you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh, but it's still we a lot went of fun. to a number of conferences and uh, and met a lot of you. Uh, it was great, and we thank you for your support. I think it was it it, it really makes it. Um, I think this year was a good good year for 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 the ESP. 
I'll, I'll join that statement. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. And you know, only the, the the sheer number of conferences and skeptical events that has mm. that have happened all over Europe uh, this year is is just mind blowing. So there are biannually and um, uh, organized conferences that that happen in this very year uh, like uh, okay QED is a yearly thing but the European Skeptics Congress is biannual and this year we had one uh, there is a biannual event Chicup Fest as well uh, we had one uh, Denk Fest which is organized every third year and we had one this year, yeah. so it's just phenomenal. Uh, and and let's not forget Ratio because that was the, the oh, yeah. one that Jelena and I. Well, we were all invited. You couldn't go, so it yeah. was Jelena and I who went there. It was the biggest one ever. Uh, it was uh, great, even though we were there. I mean, <laughs> no thanks to us. It was a great <laughs> event. <laughs> Yeah, but there were others um, in other countries as well, like Skepticon in Germany. There was ConceptCon in, uh, in P- Portugal, mm. and there was the the annual uh, conference of Hungarian skeptics as well for the twenty third time yeah. <laughs> this year. Uh, so there's a lot going on in Europe, people, mm. and this is this is the reason why we're here because we want to connect all the people. Talking of which, we have followed the activities of Sense of Art Science as well. Yes. And they've done some very cool stuff as well. Like uh, the Evidence Matters EU event, which was a huge, a massive success uh, with the people from, from all different countries, from, from many, many different countries across the European Union, uh, trying to stand up for evidence and make, make the legislators understand why evidence matters to them in their own fields. And that is super cool. So uh, thanks to Sense About Science and Sense About Science EU, that was really cool. EXO website has been revived this year and they became more active than ever. Um, And now with a new board that uh, consists of Pontus and Anders, <laughs> of, of, of a few of the people and on the six podcast. And six others. <laughs> and yeah. and six, and six yeah. others, but, um, but, but, you know, the ones that are on our podcast. Mm. Um, Claire is heading the new board now, Claire Klingerberg, and she's doing, I think she's very active uh, uh, on the website and, and uh, she's uh, she's been active since the last European Skeptics Congress. That was a big success this year. And I believe there'll be a lot more activities planned for coming year, 2018. That's always good to see. It's a positive sign. So we'll, we'll, you know, watch that space. You know what else has happened this year that, that really excited me a lot? Go on. My, my only regret was that I couldn't actually attend, but I was part of the organizing committee for, for the event in Hungary. That's March for Science. That yeah. happened in 2017 as well. Yes, let's not forget about that. It feels like it was a long time ago, but you're right, it was this year. It was a long time ago because it, it was in April. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That'll be why. So what a year, people. What a year. Right. Yeah. Good. I think the, the skeptics movement in Europe has good momentum at the moment. So let's keep that yep. going for the new year. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us to... to play our part in this uh we would like to present you with yet another episode of uh the european skeptics podcast and uh to kick that off 
I'd like to ask Yelena to bring in another This Week in Skepticism item. I uh, wish I had some sort of Christmassy slash New Year-y slash celebratory item for you guys, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> well, you know, because it's the last um, podcast in uh, 2017, uh, it's, you know, it, but it's not going to be a festive item. So it's just going to be one of those um, actually vaccine, vaccine related. Basically, the, the, the thing that I want to talk about uh, today is a smallpox virus retention controversy. As you might or might not know, um, smallpox has been ravaging humanity for three millennia. I didn't know that. I didn't know it's that old. <laughs> it has been successfully um, eradicated by the World Health Organization and the last naturally occurring case was diagnosed in 1977. What is, what is a naturally occurring event instead of... So what... What has oh, the been other the other event that occurred was um, by somebody contracting the virus in lab. Okay, okay, okay. Because there was like an um, uh, somebody in in England acquired the the, the smallpox okay, virus okay. and it actually died anyway. So um, on December thirtieth, um, nineteen ninety three, the last research samples of the smallpox virus were scheduled to be destroyed by the World Health Organization. However, there were some scientists who um, wanted to continue the research on the virus and um, they stopped the destruction plan. And some of those scientists were based in Russia. Ooh. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, in Moscow, in the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. And then another group of scientists were based in America. And um, they demanded or uh, insisted that the, the uh, smallpox uh, virus was to be preserved in those two labs for the fur further uh, research and analysis. And it caused um, the world controversy and um, there's been an ongoing um, debate amongst international scientists, um, and, uh, you know, why we still have that virus and uh, why isn't it destroyed forever so that uh, there is a peace knowing that this disease will never come back because it was one of the deadliest diseases and it, uh, It killed a lot of people, yeah. like millions and millions of people, more than all the world wars and uh, stuff like that. Uh, I guess um, I guess the the, the the debate is still ongoing. Um, they have rescheduled the destruction over and over over the years, over the past um, 30 years, but um, it still hasn't happened. And I've um, sort of I've looked around for for concrete dates or, or news or anything that's been set in place, but there is no concrete um, decision that's been reached by World Health Organization. So Russia still holds the virus, um, and so does America. And they're citing various reasons why would, would they keep it, um, you know, in case of the uh, the terrorist group would get hold of the virus and then they, they can produce the vaccinations quicker or try, etc. I'm not sure which side of the debate I'm on. Um, I guess that there are good reasons against and for keeping it. I can certainly see the scenario of a, a bad sort of end of the world movie where the, the virus you know, gets 
stolen from the Russian laboratory and spread across the world or whatever. Yeah, sure. And and millions of people die, so maybe it is good a good idea to get rid of it. But for the purpose of the research again, maybe it's good to keep it. Hmm. There were a bit of um, excitement and activity around 2016, and World Health Health Organization was updating their website, and uh, because I think there was some uh, reason to believe that maybe some terrorist groups uh, have the um, virus, and possibly it will be spread, and uh, you know some attacks will be made with the virus. But we are now at the end of 2017; nothing has yet happened. Hmm. So let's hope. It was just fake news or some excitement, and we can all sleep well tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something that um, I wanted to talk about just before the New Year's happened. <laughs> and all let's right. hope that Russians don't uh, fuck it up for all of us, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would not. I would not necessarily rely on that solely. I would not put it past them either. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Yelena. Cool, then uh, let's move on to our news items of this week, because there is plenty of things going on across Europe. All right, first we'll go to Sweden, where I have bad news. There's been an outbreak of measles uh, in uh, at Salgrenska Hospital in Gothenburg. The first case was an unvaccinated, no surprise there, unvaccinated man who came to the emergency room on 10th of December and now you know that's terrible because you get to the the emergency room where there's a lot of people and you sit there maybe for an hour so now they have identified total of eight people who have been diagnosed with measles and that's unusual I mean Sweden usually have one or two cases per year but now they have you know eight people in 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 basically a week or two Doctors says that several hundred patients may have been exposed to the disease. Uh, hopefully most of them were vaccinated. But still, the hospital has called in extra staff to be prepared. And they have contacted unvaccinated patients uh, who has visited the emergency clinic and, and, and advised them to, to make sure that they are vaccinated. Because apparently you can still um, vaccinate within 72 hours of, of uh, being exposed to the virus. So, yeah, why don't people vaccinate against measles? We've gone over that a number of times. Not a good reason not to. Uh, Very good reasons to be vaccinated. You know, Sweden has a vaccination rate against measles at uh, 96%, which is uh, 1% above the herd immunity level, which is the level where where it's deemed to be that you have the, the, the disease under control. But still, there are people uh, in Sweden who do not vaccinate and then you get things like that, especially since we have this current outbreak all over Europe. All right, staying in Sweden, I have some good news as well. Uh, That is that Don Larhammar, who is a professor of molecular uh, cell biology at Uppsala University and, most importantly, I think, board member (laughs) of the Swedish Skeptic, Swedish something to be proud of. He has been appointed head of the Swedish Royal Academy of Science. No. That's really, really something to brag about. He has been a member of the Royal Swedish uh, Academy since 2007. 
And he was the president of VOF, or the Swedish Skeptic Society, between 1998 and 2004. And he's still on the board of VOF. So uh, that's really uh, something. So we, we, you know, the skeptics were infiltrating the top layers of society. And especially science. Especially science. Yeah. So he's been appointed what they call the presses or the head of the Swedish Royals Academy of Science. Wow, congratulations to him. What's his name? Uh, Don Larhammar. So he's mm, okay. on the board of the Swedish Skeptics, just as I am. So I will try to uh, get him for an interview for a future episode. I that think, would be super cool. Yeah. Uh, no promises, but I will talk to him and we'll see what we can we, work Yeah, he's out. probably going to be a bit busy for that. For, he's for a the bit next busy, but he's a nice guy, so I'm sure he can... Yeah, I think he'll make the time. He's very active in the Swedish movement, uh, Swedish skeptics movement, uh, as well as uh, I hope he can keep that up even with this uh, new appointment. Nice, mm -hmm. I'm impressed. Mm -hmm. um, moving on to the international fields, mm -hmm. uh, I'd uh, like to mention something that that has been talked about on the show on several occasions, and that is how Facebook is trying to tackle the, the issue of. Um, fake news and that kind of kind of stuff and uh, snopes.com and buzzfeed um really started to jump on that and uh, what the latest um of these um these new directions of facebook are and one of them is um i don't think it's necessarily that important for skeptics um that is how they will introduce a new um, algorithm that will downrank those posts that are not much more than an engagement bait, like a clickbait or a share bait or or anything of that that sort. It's basically about trying to stop people from spamming Facebook and their Facebook friends, which is pretty cool. I I really welcome that direction. But probably the more important thing, uh, at least from a skeptical point of view, is what BuzzFeed wrote about, is that Facebook is getting rid of its fact-checking label and replacing it with uh, with something else. So the fact-checking label that, that has been introduced, I think it was introduced in the US only, but that was... Of the the result of a fact check, and if two independent fact checkers concluded that something is fake news, so it's it's not substantiated by uh, reliable data, then um, there was a, a massive exclamation mark in red, flashing up and saying that it's disputed, and it turns out that it's it must be counterproductive. Mm -hmm. to to use that because uh Facebook conducted their their own kind of surveys and and turns out that people people's behaviors have not changed the way they they wanted them to change so it did not necessarily uh, keep them from actually sharing that content on some occasions on many occasions actually it it uh, it did quite the contrary it's kind of the backfire effect isn't it yeah, it is. So now they came up with a new, um, a completely different approach that is a more subtle approach. And I, I do like that kind of uh, educational attitude. And that is, instead of, of flashing up a red exclamation mark, 
you can see the fact checkers, the, the articles written by the fact checkers on that very topic as related articles. So below the, the post that you are about to share or you're sharing or you've shared, um, there are related articles listed and those are the actual fact checks. And the, the, the subtleness of that approach is something that is very appealing to me. And uh, apparently, based on what Facebook came up with as a result of their survey, is that it's probably more productive uh, in terms of uh, trying to make people think twice before they share. So it's a new direction that's going to be rolled out. I could not find an actual date of rolling that out, but uh, hopefully it's going to be out very soon. And I'm just hoping that if it works, then it's going to be rolled out for, for all the different national uh, Facebook yeah, Matt, exactly. I, Facebook, I was just uh, going to ask if you knew if it's going to be just the US or if it's the worldwide. Well, um, I'm 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 afraid at the beginning it's definitely going to be on US only. Hmm. So we just have to wait and see. But yeah, I I I do think it's a good direction. So let's move on to Germany, and um, I want to talk about the article that was published on Retraction Watch at the end of December, where the executive board of Leibniz Association in Germany um, has reprimanded the director of its institute on uh, aging for grossly neglecting scientific misconduct. Basically, um, uh, the, he, this researcher was found guilty and he was temporarily banned from funding by the German Research Foundation. It came after six months of investigation after looking at 11 papers of which eight uh, were found to have errors in data representation. This researcher was responsible for, for signing the, those papers off. Now, he wasn't the only person who wrote those papers, but he was the most senior one and he should have basically checked the data and he didn't. He acknowledged um, his responsibility and he issued a statement um, and he's been taken off his duties as a director. This now has been made public and um, the errors are being corrected. So as another good example of the work of peer review groups where people bring to attention um, errors that have been discovered and um, uh, the people who were responsible for those errors being published are brought to some sort of justice and light and um, been then um, suspended or like in this case um, their funding has been banned. Um, Science is not perfect, of course not, and um, it's um, self-correcting, and it's uh, good to see this being done, and uh, unlike other uh, areas. <laughs> yeah, the fun thing is that we, who, who, who believe in the scientific method, we see this as, as a positive thing. Somebody correct. did something that was yeah. not ethical or not right or not correct, and yeah. they get reprimanded, so we, we celebrate that. The we the alter the alternative gang or yeah. whatever you call them, they would say, they would so, never. "Look at this! This guy yeah. proves that science is all bad." Okay, but when is the last time anybody retracted a homeopathic statement yeah. or paper or whatever? That never happens. They just assume it's all good. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, absolutely. It's an unfortunate thing that happens, but um, it's the healthy way to deal with errors that we find yeah. and the scientists find each other's research. But this is the mechanism that we've got in place to self-correct those things. And um, even the person who has been brought to, to, to justice and light uh, has acknowledged his responsibility as well. So there we go. Um, even though it's a negative thing, but I think something positive will come out of it and um, the record will be corrected and we'll learn. Every time we find some a mistake, we'll learn. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes um, the, the only thing that you can do is to rely on fact checkers or turn towards the BBC because the BBC reported on something that has been circulating online about an alleged bringing down of Christmas trees in Europe to avoid offending Muslims. And obviously, this issue is something that, that stirs up a lot of controversy and a lot of, lot of hatred and everything. So, uh, fortunately enough, the BBC and, um, and many other news outlets, uh, for that matter, they went out and tried to figure out what the actual case was. So, what happened was obviously it started with Fox News. <laughs> that was when it, it really started to blow out of proportions. When uh, Tucker Carlson, um, I don't know if you, you guys know who that is. He's quite a dick. So he's, he's this ridiculous, I, th I think it was Bill Nye that he debated about climate change. And he was like a massive dick. He would, just want to hit him in the face um hmm. but so so that he's he's that kind of guy and uh he started sharing the the false claims that um that circulated the the Italian press that officials ordered the christmas tree in the northern italian city of bolzano to be taken out of the town hall because a muslim group was due to use it i mean the the one of the rooms of the town hall now well, what BBC did, they tried to find out what happened and they, they talked to the council spokeswoman, Alessandra Albertoni. And what she said was that the town hall that rents out rooms all the time, lots of rooms uh, for, for different occasions and different parties to charitable organizations and everything. So there was a sport veterans group that had a party and the party involved putting up a Christmas decoration tree made up of, of uh, green cardboard pieces. Then they forgot that the party was over and they forgot to remove it from the room. And obviously, when you rent out a room, it's part of the deal that how you found the room when you got there, that's how you want to leave it there, right? Mm. So what happened, the council had to ask them to remove the cardboard decoration that happened to form a Christmas tree. And then, the next day, a Muslim association was about to start using the room, and the connection was made by the Italian press that it was the actual reason for them to be asked to, to remove the, the decoration. And uh, then the the spokeswoman added that uh, that Christmas decorations and display all over uh, Bolzano is very important. Every year they spend two hundred thousand euros on it, Ooh. so it would be just ridiculous to do something of that sort. Like uh, 
removing decorations just because um, it would offend a group. Obviously, if you rent out a room and it's not supposed to be used as a Christmas decorated room, why would you want it to be decorated for Christmas? <laughs> no. Um, hmm. So why I wanted to I wanted to talk about this is that it, it it is a very good example of how someone picks up small details and makes a connection without actually finding out what happened, and then you start spreading the news, and the others will. Take the, take it and run with it. Mm. So this is how fake news spread like wildfire. Once it gets online, once some Tucker Carlson starts tweeting it or retweeting it or or just just putting it up on the internet, that's where it go, goes viral. So please, people, before you start spreading news, find out what actually happened, and then start sharing it. Good advice. But I'm starting, starting to see a pattern here in in my news items this week. That it's 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 all about how you try not to share stuff that is not actually true. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> okay. Anything else, guys? No, think that's it. Uh, I think all that's right. it. Yeah. Thank you very much. I believe we still have the usual really wrong segment presented by Pontus. Yeah, so uh, I'll I'll start this segment by by uh, you know declaring that I don't know Irish, so I don't know how to pronounce this really. I've been trying all afternoon. I think it's called T-shocks. So, do you know what T-shocks is? I don't. <laughs> no, if I, I I may be totally butchering it, but Leo <laughs> <laughs> Leo Veradkar is the T-shocks of Ireland, which is the prime minister. So is that an actual Irish word, T-shocks? Yes, and it's spelled, uh, it's like 14 characters long, and I cannot understand how it's supposed to be pronounced T-shocks, but uh, that's what uh, Wikipedia <laughs> says, so I'm going with that. Please, people of Ireland, forgive me, but let's say the Prime Minister of Ireland. This is what, about him, and he will not move against Scientology. That's the, the thing. Now let let's let's take a bit of a background of Scientology and Ireland. In 2016 there were 16 members of Scientology in all of Ireland. So it doesn't you know it shouldn't be a real big problem, but that all changed during 2017 where uh, the Church of Scientology as they would like to be called established a new European hub in Ireland for their movement. There was a big inauguration with David Miscavige, who is the, the, the head of the whole uh, thing, uh, on 14th of October in Dublin at something called the Victoria Centre in Furhouse. They bought that for 6 million euros. It holds uh, 1,200 attendees and uh, reportedly 1,500 people were coming by bus to, to, to this inauguration. Also recently, in December, Scientology or the Church of Scientology held a meeting with about 170 people in a former school in Balaiver. And I'm again butchering the Irish language, but uh, but they what they did in this town that I cannot uh, pronounce, they bought a school, and they are now suspected to convert this to center for so-called drug rehabilitation, which is uh, carried out under the name of uh, Narconon, which is a known subsidiary of Scientology. 
we all know that L. Ron Hubbard absolutely hated psychology of any sort and drugs of any sort. So he started this uh, Narconon thing, or the Scientology started this Narconon thing to... Well, it sounds like a good idea, or a noble idea, to help people get out of drug addiction. But what they do is they take drug addicts and they move them from drug addiction into the Church of Scientology. Okay, so that's all right. I mean, not all right, but... but <laughs> no, it's not. Well, I agree to disagree. <laughs> it's not all right, but you can't blame Scientology for doing what Scientology wants to do. They want to establish a big center in Europe, and mm. they chose Ireland. The problem is that the so-called Taoiseachs, or Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar, he declared that he has no problem with this, and he has no problem with... Uh, uh, Colm Brophy, who is a member of the lower house of parliament, hosting a delegation from the church in Leinster House, or Leinster House, I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced. Uh, Mr. Veradkar was under pressure from the press for, for, for this, and he said when he was asked whether the Church of Scientology was a cult, he said, I don't know enough about it to give you an informed reply. I think we always have to balance freedom of religion or freedom of association on the one hand with protecting people from being exploited and that's always a challenge. I don't know enough about the Church of Scientology to know whether or to what extent the allegations made against them would require government intervention of some sort. So he's hiding behind the freedom of religion thing well, we all know, if unless you've been, you know... Live, living under the rock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, the Church of Scientology is no such thing. It's not a, a church. It's a scam. It's a fraud. We even have L. Ron Hubbard's word for that. He said it's easier to sell something if, if you call it a religion. So he called it a religion. It's not a religion. It's a, it's a fraud. And And, you know, if you are somewhat, you know a knowledgeable person, as the Taoiseachs would be, he should know this. And uh, my thinking, and this is speculation, is that he... Is, I mean, re Ireland is a religious country, Indeed. and I think he has taken the stance, like, you know, anything that sounds religious, I don't dare to go against, because that may hurt my, my oh. numbers, etc. That actually makes some sense. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the only reason why he would take this stance. Mm. Scientology is not recognized as a church or a religion in Ireland. So he has no reason to do this, but um, I think he's just a coward. <laughs> and, you know, there's no reason to let Scientology build up a big center in Ireland where they, from which they can reach the rest of Europe. So, um, for not taking a stance against Scientology in Ireland, and in extension, all of Europe, the T-Shocks Leo Veradkar gets today's prize for being really wrong. And it's well-deserved, oh, again. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there was so much talk about religion and how people are wrong today mm. that um, we really badly need a good quote to finish up the show on. <laughs> I don't think the quote will help us, but here you go. So the quote came from Max Beerbohm, who was an English essayist, parodist and caricaturist. 
mm. who said that the one real goal of education is to leave a person asking questions. Yes. Love that. So, I really love it. We do need to ask questions, but we also need to find answers eventually, hey? <laughs> yeah, but you know that the, the, what education does and institutionalized education, and that is the mind fuck about the whole thing, is that it makes you forget how to ask questions. It doesn't leave you wanting to ask questions. It leaves you trying to avoid being questioned or being asked a question. What's expected from you is that you provide the answers. So you learn, and then you provide the answers when you're asked. Yeah. But and, that's and not the, how you learn. <laughs> no. And... The flip side of that is is a really good answer only gives you more questions. You you okay, I understand that now, but how does that work? Yeah. I wonder if, if it requires a certain characteristic um in a person to not freak out after a while when you when you get the answers to your questions and it leads to all those emerging questions popping up here and there like like crazy. Yeah. And to to stay calm and to stay cool about it and say that, hey, this is how I learn. This is how we learn about the world. This is how children learn. Children, that is my favorite part of a children, uh, of a, of a child's development when they keep asking questions. Yeah, but that's because you don't have children of your own. Yeah, you, I know. I, no. Being a parent, you know, why is that? It's because of that. Why? And that's because of that. Why? And that's because of that. Why? I said, shut up and eat your spinach. You know, but, I know, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean because uh, <laughs> when my when my niece was at that age, we were basic. We basically lived together since his father was not around because he left them. I was the the father figure that he she she always ran to with her questions, and <laughs> since I was the one enjoying her asking questions. All the family was always pointing at me. Go and ask your uncle. <laughs> so she kept coming to me. And you know, this still happens to this day. It's a cur no, well, it's a positive thing, but it can be annoying. But it can be a times. curse. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it can be a, a real burden. Yeah. I, yeah, it's a good thing. All, All right. right. Thanks All very right, much, Elena. Well, you're welcome. And, um, it's a good yeah, find. That's yeah. our last quote of uh, 2017. Exactly. Ooh. Looking yeah. forward for the first one of 2018. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, again, this year, it's been a pleasure doing this with you. Absolutely. Every yeah. single week. Well, with a couple of, um, of exceptions. Of exceptions, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here and there for all of us. But it's been a real pleasure, and I'm really looking forward to the next year. As for today's episode, I'd like to thank both of you for joining me today. Thank you. You may do that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and let me thank our wonderful listeners as well. Please keep listening to us in the year 2018 as well. Mm -hmm. So, until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats 
to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Don Lorhammer, who is a professor of molecular... He's not that. No. And as for today's episode, I'd like to join both of you for joining me today. You'd like to thank both of us. What did you, I say? You'd like to join both of us for joining. Ah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> Nobody's listening Fuck. anymore. I'm no, not even. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah anyway, so as for, as for today's episode, I'd like to join... <laughs> <laughs> you want to join us for joining us? That's, you really want to do it, don't you? Professor of mu- <laughs> Molecular? I'm, I'm... Molecular. Oh, yo, 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 yo.